Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 81 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I have the pleasure to talk to another podcaster. This is Jerry. He has the podcast, The Nameless Minority, which I talked about on the program last week because a couple weeks ago now, I was a guest on his podcast. He recently started this podcast to also talk to grieving parents about their grief journey. He has found it as rewarding as I have, even though he's only been doing it a couple of months now. So I do encourage you to listen to his podcast, The Nameless Minority. If you again want to hear a little more of my story on his podcast, I am on episode number four. Today, the two of us talk about his daughter, Bella, and their journey She was diagnosed with a brain tumor at a very, very young age and had really years of ups and downs. So we talk about that. We talk about his grief journey and then really what the podcast has been able to do to help him moving forward. So please enjoy listening to Jerry. Thank you so much, Jerry, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah. So why don't you start out by just telling the audience about your daughter, Bella, about what she was like as a kid growing up and just things about her. Um, she was a handful. <laughs> as in, she was very rambunctious, lit up the room, but also had a temper like you would not believe. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> she was very um, peculiar. I think she had some kind of like um, touch, feel, sensory things. So she always had to have weird little things in her hands, whether it would, it ended up at one point being like kitchen utensils. Um, but then it moved on to maybe chopsticks or there's a story that my mother tells of where she took the other grandkids to McDonald's and all Bella wanted was a straw because <laughs> she, would, she would hold it in one hand and hit the other hand with it. So yeah, it, it, I mean, it was even a point where at my job, we had to walk around one time and find a zip tie because I mean, it, yeah, she would describe herself as amazing, awesome, and adorable. Well, those are very nice descriptions for sure. Yep, yep. So she loved herself. <laughs> That's good. Got a good amount of self-esteem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. She was the light of my life. I still remember like the day she was born and how much joy she just brought everybody. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Was she medically complex from birth? Or did this come later? Four and a half 
months old, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we don't know if it's from the beginning or not. Nobody can tell us. Um, she had a lot of weird things, like she would projectile vomit, and we had no idea why. So we assume it was just part of that, but nobody can really tell us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She was diagnosed at four and a half months old with a astrocytoma. We immediately, within like a week, were headed to Boston from Louisville for them to try to do surgery. Um, it's like a eight, eight to 10 hour surgery. Uh, they couldn't do anything to it. So she had a permanent scar from ear to ear that kind of went over the top of her head. Mm -hmm. Eventually her hair grew back and covered all that up. Then it was just on the multiple rounds of chemo and different chemo and all the ups and downs of being told that, yeah, it's shrinking and then no, it's not shrinking and yeah, it's shrinking and all the back and forth. It's just like one big roller coaster the whole time. So you eventually learn not, not to get your hopes up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know it was a long journey for you. That's for sure. And she lost her sight then fairly early on. After the, the surgery for um, the brain tumor, she could not see anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They always just said that the mass was just pressing down on the cords for the for the eyes to see. So, yeah, she, she adapted very well, though, um, a lot better than I think I would have. Right. I, I think that probably has to do or has a lot to do with her sensory kind of stuff, too, right? That's how she mm -hmm. explored her world a lot more than other kids would rely on sight more and she didn't. So I think that made her unique in that way. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, you could never sneak up on her. Yeah. Huh? You know, like small kids, you can just walk behind and kind of go boo or whatever. And they'll jump. You could never do that to her. And she would just give you like this smirk, like I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So her other senses were keen. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. And I know you told me about her love for music, too. She loved that. We always deemed her a music snob because it was always like, you know, when people had CDs, mm -hmm. it was always one particular song that she wanted to listen to over and over. There's even a story of uh, we're driving back from Nashville because we ended up going down there at one point for chemo. There's three adults in the car and Bella and we're like, ah, she's asleep. It's fine. Go ahead and change the music. And as soon as like she stopped the CD, she woke up and she goes, no. We <laughs> <laughs> put the CD back in. <laughs> yeah, very peculiar and had a uh, love for music. I mean, anywhere from bluegrass to folk, to, uh, a buddy of mine's local band. I mean, it was, it was all over the board. Well, very cool. So she didn't want you listening to just kid music all the time. No. It at least no, had a little no. bit of interest to it for you. We got lucky and never got into like the Barney stuff or any of that stuff. We, we were tremendously lucky. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, maybe it was good that she couldn't see a big uh, purple dinosaur and get uh, infatuated with it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's one thing she never wanted. She never wanted a stuffed animal, though. Oh, really? You would think she would have liked that kind of touch. No, she had a blanket that for okay. 
like we had to go find multiples of this blanket uh-huh go to sleep with every time well very good good yeah so she had a long journey with a lot of kind of ups and downs like you said and did you have other children then too i eventually after uh bell and i's mom split up had another child but there's a three years age difference and mm-hmm. he's now 13 and remembers nothing except for what people have told him oh yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so he you know he knows all the little funny stories but he doesn't know a lot of the, the bad stuff that went on yeah well that's a good thing in some ways right you know it's hard I know I think about my own kids and Having to live with the messiness of of that is really a challenge. But it's good that you're able to share the good stories and the fun stories for sure. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a there's a story of um, Bella was um, speech delayed in any kind of delay you think of. I mean, never really learned to walk on her own. Like was to the point of learning to walk on her own when everything kind of just went downhill. Mm -hmm. But she would always say why to anything, anything that you said, she would say why. And she, I had a buddy named Joe and she'd say, Joe is a girl. And we'd say, no, no, he's a boy. And she'd say, why? Well, finally one day her mom said, um, because he has a penis. Mm -hmm. So then it became Joe is a boy penis now keep in mind she has no filter yes and she you could say this out in public the one day her mom and her are walking to the grocery store and she's like joe is a boy and jennifer just kind of put her head down and she goes penis and she goes bella we have to say that at home and she goes joe is a boy penis at home so that just became like Every time she said Joe is a boy, you just kind of put your head down and just kind of waited for it. Yep. That's one of the best stories, though. <laughs> oh. So it must have been hard to go through all of this without being with her all the time, too, right? Because then did you have kind of joint custody with your ex-wife or how was that? Yeah, we did. My work actually let me go to a majority of the doctor's appointments. So we were still civil enough that we would ride down together. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. From Bowling, Nashville. Um, and I could be at a majority of those. Now, like the physical therapy and stuff, I never really had an opportunity to be at. But those were things that I never liked to watch anyways. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, 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 I had an opportunity to be around as much as possible. It's not good to be going through a divorce and then have all of that other stuff compounded onto it. Mm-hmm. Not a good scenario. No, no, I imagine not. Yeah, it's hard enough going through each of those things individually than going through them together at the same time. Yeah. So talk about what happened then when you said towards the end when things kind of got worse. Was that a rapid decline or was it still long and run out? They thought it was going to be a rapid decline. Mm-hmm. We just noticed her her speech started to slur, whereas she could talk really well. And then she wasn't 
she just kind of wasn't herself for a little bit. And then they kind of just told us there's not really anything else we can do. And then she got, she got to the point, and I think they told us by Christmas that mm-hmm. they thought she would pass away. And I think that would have given us like two months. How old was she then? Five. Mm-hmm. The last three, four, five months, maybe. Uh, she pretty much laid there with no verbal communication or not being able to prove. She would grin every once in a while, but that that's that's about all we got. I mean, not not anything else. Just you know, feeding tube, mm. hospice care, and I can tell you that there's probably not many hospice who have taken care of a uh, five year old child. So that was a struggle in itself. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yanked the, the feeding tube out a couple of times when she could. And yeah. then you know, to have people who don't know how to put it back in was a struggle. But yeah, that was that was about the last six months. So when I take <clears throat> tell you that I would not have her back, I would not have her back. Not in the any not in the way that she was the last six months. Mm-hmm. I would not want to see her go through that at all. Mm-hmm. So talk about her kind of those days and weeks after she died and what that was like then? Because you go from this trying to be a caregiver and, and watching her suffer like that and to this transition. I think for myself that once we found out she had a brain tumor that, what do they call it, survivalist mode, survivor mode? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all that I went into. And then after she passed away, I only took a week off work because I did not want to sit at home. That to me was the worst thing possible was just to sit at home and just think about it. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was my mother said, you should run. It's a good stress relief. Okay. And I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, (laughs) I I couldn't even run a mile the first time I went. Mm -hmm. I, I eventually after Two years, I think of, I ended up running like 350Ks. Wow. Because I had ran so much. And I believe that was just my way of dealing with it. It was my time alone. I do do remember after about a week, everybody seemed to disappear. Yeah. Like all, all the friends and everything. And, I, and I'm sure it's because they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. Yeah. So anytime like I know somebody goes through anything like this, my first thing is I'll tell them is I'll, I'll text you or call you in a week. Yeah. Because make sure somebody's there for them. Mm-hmm. I ran, man, I ran and ran from, I assume everything just to not to have to think about it to, I guess, shut it down. So after about eight years, I quit running and then it all just kind of hit me mm-hmm. that PTSD had set in. Um, I don't have many emotions. I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I cried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have, you know, now I deal with that instead of running all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of shoved it down, you think? Oh yeah. Shoved down yeah. the grief and tried not to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, there were still times that things happened, but for the most part, I mean, I didn't deal with any of it. I don't think I knew how. Mm-hmm. I don't think even remotely had any of the resources to try to deal with any of it. Yeah. I know I recently was on Twitter and a woman had written, my son died today. I don't know how to go on. 
And she had a lot of kind of people writing her some positive things. But there was one man who wrote, this is totally inappropriate for you to say this. I lost my son. You just stuff it down and forget about it. And then someone kind of berated him a little bit. And he goes, I've lost my wife and two of my three kids. You just stuff it down. And like, I thought, okay, um, that's what you're doing, but you are not dealing with it. And that is totally not healthy. And, you know, it was bad for him, I think, to judge her one way or the other. She was just flailing. And I feel like when you go through something like that and your child just dies, first of all, I felt like when Andy died, I kind of wanted everyone to know I, because I felt like the world should be stopping right now. Like mm-hmm. it's, the the sun keeps coming up and going down and everybody is living like life like it's normal. It's not normal. Everything should be stopped. And so I, and then I also just feared having to tell people. So I felt like I just need everyone to know so that I don't have to tell any more people. I just like, that was just what I wanted. And this man obviously just wanted to stuff it down which yeah. you wonder if at some point in time it will come back and hit him that I have lost, you know, such a huge part of my family or if he'll just continue to try to live like that forever. That's sad. It's sad. There's a, uh, uh, Pearl Jam, I believe it's Pearl Jam lyric. I apologize. I'm really into music and I like to use lyrics. Oh no, to, that's great. It's awesome. To kind of explain everything. And I believe it's those who forget are destined to remember. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure he remembers and I'm sure he doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah. But it's part of what he is. So he, he needs to deal with it. And there's no reason to brave anybody for any way that they deal with this. Oh, right. Everyone's grief process is different. Oh, everybody's. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing how different it is. Yeah. I spoke to a woman a long time ago now, probably over a year ago, who did not realize that she had had an older brother, I think, who had died. Had the mom, Her mom never talked about it. It was the oldest. He died at four months. It was just not discussed. He got some sort of illness, went in the hospital, died. And she found out about it. She found a picture of him when she was young. And then and she was told that was the brother. And then she found his um, plot at the cemetery. And she would go visit him without telling her parents that she would go visit him. And her mom finally started dealing with the death of her son with this grief on what would have been his 50th birthday. She never dealt with it for 50 years. And then after 50 years, then she did. Then she talked about him. Then she opened up. But it was just... In her mind, it was like, just move on, just move on, just move on, but never dealt with it. So I'm glad, though, that she was able to eventually do that. But it does show that you can shove it away for as long as you can, but that doesn't make it go away. So at some point in time, it can still pop back and there's still time to heal even a long ways down the road. Yeah. Yeah, I, I used to get upset when uh, I would go back to my hometown and my cousin would introduce me as this is Bella's dad because mm-hmm. I could see the look on everybody's face. And I was like, why, why are you introducing me this way? Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, it's who you are. And I said, well, it's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. 
but you don't have to introduce me that way because I don't need to see that look on their face every time. Mm-hmm. He's like, I never thought about that. Yeah. I'm like, just, you know, just give it a rest. Yeah. <laughs> it is hard. It's a hard balance to know where to go with that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I recently had to rewrite my bio for that's online for patients who are like trying to pick their pediatrician because of course it was terribly out of date. It said I had three kids. It said I, you know, it's, it was all written for when Andy was alive. And, and then I had so many people say, you just need to be honest. You need to put it out there. They don't, if they don't, aren't okay with you having a dead child, basically, then they shouldn't have you as their pediatrician. And I like, okay, well, well, yeah, but I'm still like a fun person and I'm still a fun doctor to have. And I still am going to talk to them about their sports and their fun things when they come into the office. So I feel like if I just put that in my bio and not the rest of it, that's not fair either, right? I don't want the first thing that a patient thinks about when they walk in the room is the fact that I lost my son and that my son's yeah. dead. I, that, that can't be the first thing. It can be there, and I think it's an important part of me, and it's something I didn't want to ignore, so I did put it, put it in there. I put something about the podcast. I, put, I, I ended up wording it like, because of my care for families – and my love for caring for children and families, I've started a podcast after the death of my son. And that's how I ended up wording it because I don't want people coming in just feeling sorry for me. I want them coming in knowing this is her passion. This is what she loves to do. She loves to take care of kids and she loves to take care of families. And she will take care of your kids and your family too. But you're right. When you just are introduced just in that way and you get that look. That's hard. It's hard when you get that sympathy look every single time you see somebody. It's it's amazing how much wording just plays into it. Mm-hmm. Remember, I just said I had a terminally old daughter, and you, you would get that look. Mm-hmm. Now I say I was blessed with a terminally old daughter, and then there's more of a smile. Yeah. It's just the wording. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I got up. They sent me my work sent me to. Uh, Atlanta for training and the first day you wrote somebody's name on the board that inspired you and I wrote Bella Shoemaker really big on there and the last day they says anybody want to talk about this and I work in retail mm-hmm. and I stood up and said listen I was blessed with a terminal little daughter uh, I went through about six years of uh, rounds of chemo and multiple surgeries of replacing a shunt and fixing a shunt and mm-hmm. doing doing this and this uh and i don't tell you this for any sympathy whatsoever i tell you this because when you think that you're having a terrible day somebody is having a worse day yeah you don't believe me head on down to a hospital a children's hospital or a cemetery Mm -hmm. and you will see that somebody is having a worse day than what you're having Mm -hmm. your stuff does not mean anything right now yeah because it's not important yeah and they all just looked at me like what yeah (laughs) Because I, I, I am not the emotional guy whatsoever. I'm the guy who uses sarcasm as humor for everything, just to deflect everything possible. <laughs> it's funny that you have, when you have that mind shift, though, looking at other people, because I certainly had that, you know, in the first, 
months for sure after Andy died and I would be in a store and I would see a family with three kids, I would just look at the middle one. I would just always look at the middle one and I'd think, oh, you are so lucky that your family is whole. And, you know, and I would think that. And then I had this mind shift just one day where I looked at that family and I thought, I don't know that there didn't used to be four kids there. I don't know that. It was it was one day that we went to a restaurant and it was just the four of us sitting in a booth. And I thought, boy, from the outside, we look whole. From the outside, we look like we were just always just set at a table for four. And it and it used to be, of course, when we went to a restaurant that you always had to look for a table that you could fit five. And it's always harder to get a table that you could fit five. And now we can be at a table to fit four. But it was just so remarkable to start thinking about the world in that way. Like, I have no idea what their family really looks like. And if they look whole from the outside, doesn't mean they are. And it doesn't mean they're not going through tremendous pain. And mm-hmm. once I had that shift, it just changed so much of my outlook just on life in general. And I didn't kind of have a little bit of jealousy because I always just felt like for months, I just had this little bit of jealousy looking at these families that hadn't gone through that. Now you just know that you don't know. You don't have any idea. Yeah. Bella would be 16 in a couple of months. So yeah, I had that jealousy of seeing like a father walking around with like a teenage daughter. But mm-hmm. then I just kind of, I come back to almost like the point of, I wouldn't want her here with everything that she went through. She went through enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and my son is healthy as can be. So I, I always just think that everything got put onto her. And then I assume God, the creator, whoever decided that mm-hmm. I'd had enough, <laughs> that, that I don't know if I can handle anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> I hate to think about it that way, to be honest with you, because, you know, when I, when I grew up, both my parents had cancer. I lost my mom. You know, she died when I was in college. I had a lot of bad stuff happen. And I honestly thought, I've done my bad stuff. Yeah. Right? Nothing else bad's going to happen now because I've gone through a lot of bad stuff. And I've talked to a lot of people that thought they had done their bad stuff. And then it yeah. comes out of nowhere. And it, you know, I mean, Andy obviously was killed just instantly in a car crash. So I don't have that time of watching him suffer. He, we were just having a normal conversation and five seconds later, he's dead. I mean, so I, I, I can't always think about it that way. Like the universe owes me one because they don't, it doesn't. And you just don't have guarantees on what's going to happen. And just because you've gone through a lot of turmoil doesn't mean you can't again. So it's a nice way to think, but gosh, I, I guess I thought that way. I used to think that way until this happened. And then I realized you can't, you can't think I that think way. I think maybe it's just a balancing act for me. Like to kind of just bring the scales mm-hmm. level where out to where I'm yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. So those first eight years, you said you yep. ran and yep. then it kind of hit you. So talk about what that journey has been like these last two. It's been therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Trying to find emotions, I guess. 
crying and mm -hmm. it's it's strange when they try to pop back up but there's not many there and even the people at work they always tell me that I don't have many emotions but that's a benefit there because I'm not going to yell or scream at them <laughs> so so it's just kind of like I don't understand you know the kind of the, the stare at them like you know you have to explain yourself but there's just mm -hmm. I don't have many emotions right now and I'm, I'm trying to deal with it and trying to journal and trying to meditate and trying to do all that stuff but I don't I don't feel much like at all mm -hmm. as a person it's uh it's kind of it's kind of scary in a way yeah 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 feel like you just stuffed things yeah. away for so long it's hard to then then dig it back up and it's got to be scary to be feeling some of those things I feel like too there are days that like, I can't get emotional today because you feel like if I let it come to the surface, will it just take over? Will I even be able to go on if I let all of this out? Uh, so I think that can be a fear, you know, too, that you just let too much out. Yeah, the, the closest that I've come to crying is listening to your podcast. <laughs> and, <laughs> it, it, and okay. Well, I mean, well, you know, the, the same for mine. I, get, I hear the same thing from my podcast as well, right? Uh, mm -hmm. and it's not mm -hmm. a bad thing but it's like every time i'm no. listening i'm either like out running in the neighborhood or something and like like it's there it's it's like right there and then it just goes away so i feel like when this happens mm -hmm. it's going to be like nervous breakdown or it's just gonna be like a floodgate and well but but maybe it won't and and I, obviously that's your fear that it will but it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it will just because you think that yeah. it's hard to know. No, I mean, it's honestly, I know. look forward to it. Mm -hmm. like, I look forward yeah. okay. to, to we'll actually go. being able to cry. <laughs> I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> like I hear people who uh, like my ex-wife told me a story that she can be in the kitchen, just be cutting an onion and all of a sudden just cry for like five minutes straight. And then all of a sudden she goes, well, all right, now I got to keep on cooking. So she's, and I'm like, I, yeah. I'm the opposite. Like, I don't have that. Yeah. But we all deal with everything in our own little ways. Yes, absolutely. And it's okay. Either way is okay. Uh, for sure. I know I have people in my family too that, that just don't cry and yeah. that's okay. It's okay to be a crier. It's okay to be a not crier. I'm a crier. And it will freak people out, you know, in the office if I would, if they mention something and I get a few tears. But again, I l I'm a little bit like your wife, I think, in that the tears will come, the tears go, and I just go on with my day. And it's totally fine. And I'm fine with it. And I can cry for a few minutes and feel a sense of relief that I've done that. Uh, but that's not yeah. everybody. And it does make people feel uncomfortable sometimes, which I hate hate to do but in some ways I don't care I guess because I feel like it's probably good for them to to feel that little bit of uncomfortableness and know that that's okay so that when they're around other people they don't like freak out with the feeling yeah. uncomfortable you know so that's what I talk about Andy I will bring things up I will say stuff in a more casual way and they kind of more and more now, my coworkers don't do this. 
oh my gosh, she's talking about her yeah. dead son. They they are more okay with it knowing that I'm going to talk about it for a couple minutes. They can nod and laugh and do whatever, and it's all fine. So I, I feel like it's it's going to bless them in the future because you come across mourning, grieving people in all aspects of your life. And the more that they can feel comfortable being around them, the more comfort they will be able to give those grieving people and they won't feel so just alone and isolated. I always tell people try just don't make it awkward. You know, if yeah, somebody says right. their kid passed away, ask them about their kid. I mean, yeah. People oh, want to talk absolutely. about it. I mean, they don't want to, for sure. Well, a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but there's people who, who like, if I mention it, who just kind of, I don't want to say cower away, but they just kind of not really ignore it, but say that they're sorry or something. And that's pretty much the whole conversation. Yeah. And quickly change the subject for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I always just tell people, ask, ask, ask what they were like. I mean, I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I've not talked to a grieving parent who has not wanted to talk about their kid. You just, you want them remembered. Exactly. You do. And you want to be able to talk about them and make them feel alive yeah. still in your heart. I interviewed a guy. <clears throat> you know how sometimes, not every time, but something sticks with you that every person says, like on your podcast. Oh, for and sure. I was telling this guy, and it's a guy I've worked with, and I told him thank you. And he said, anytime I get to talk about my kids is a great day. And I was like, that is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, that just hit me. Uh, that uh -huh. That's the truth. I mean, that's just what Yeah. They just need a platform. Mm -hmm. That's why I think people love this platform, to be able to talk about their child, because they can talk about their child and know that the people who are listening really want yeah. to know, yeah. right? And it's not like, oh, I'm talking about him, and it's going to make her uncomfortable, and she really doesn't want to hear it anyway, and I probably should just shut up and do something else. Yeah, like, the people that are listening really mm -hmm. want to know. They really do. And and then you can just tell that story and and just be so blessed by it, by knowing that you I can tell share. everyone that I am not a therapist. I am no way a medical professional. I'm a broken dad who can relate to what you're going through. Mm -hmm. All my crazy thoughts seem to correspond with your crazy thoughts. And we're not crazy. Mm-hmm. No, they're not crazy thoughts. They're really normal they're thoughts. It, mm -hmm. it is. It's just the things that we're going through, mm -hmm. the things that we deal with that other people may not and hopefully don't have to deal with. Oh, right. I mean, I don't want anyone to ever have to feel no. it for sure. No, but... But you know that it will happen. You know that it does everyone happen. Everyone has loss. So everyone, everyone's willing to talk about it. Like... If, a guy at work is like, just tell me the name of your podcast so I can listen to it. I lost the brother. I just, I just, I just kind of want to listen to yours. I was like, sure. So we, okay. we sat there and talked for a little bit and just kind of went on. So tell us about the podcast and how that kind of started and what that's meant for you. The the podcast, it's, it's brand new. I only have like four episodes out. And I'm one of them. <laughs> you are. You are the last one that I had on there right now. It's called no. the nameless minority only because there's not a word in the English language to describe people who have lost kids. 
Um, the minority mm. part is there's not many of us anymore, as opposed to a hundred years ago where you can go out like to a cemetery and see tons of kids graves. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I assume it's modern medicine that's helped us get to this point, but that's mm-hmm. how I come up with the name. The, the podcast has helped me tremendously, just like we were saying, just to be able to relate to somebody have that person mm-hmm. looking at you like what what the hell is she talking about what is he talking about or have that person shy away from you and it's amazing how quickly people will come forth and want to talk about it I mean I've, I yeah. think I have three lined up so it's you know and it's just word of mouth I mean it's just friends <laughs> telling friends or you know somebody always says I know somebody or I know somebody and, and I'll, I'll let them know they'll talk to you and I'm mm-hmm. like sure just pass along my information yeah it's been it's been definitely beautiful journey just in the past three months of doing it yeah what made you start thinking about the idea of doing it uh my brother was doing a podcast with a couple of friends and i was just driving down the road one day and i was like man this would be a great platform idea for me to be able to talk so i I called him and his first response was you're definitely going to hit a uh, certain demographic there. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I'm not, I don't care about any money off of it. I don't care. Just want to talk to people, man. He goes, yeah, do it. Go for it. I'll help you in any way. All right. So he's, mm-hmm. he's uh, helped with how to do it and platforms and all that stuff. So yeah, it's been, it's been tremendous to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. It, it has been that for me, too. It's funny because once I started being able to do this and talk to families and talk about my grief, it really made other parts of my life be able to, in some ways, feel a little more normal because I felt like I didn't have to have my grief journey or Andy to be part of that part of my life because I do that. I mean... My days off from work are Tuesdays and Fridays, and I used to do administrative stuff on those days, and then I I left that part of my job, and now these are my days to work on Always Andy's Mom stuff and work on my grief and spend time with my boy, and it's just been tremendously helpful for me for those other days of the week because I know I've put time aside for it, and so Mondays, I can really just focus on being the best pediatrician I can be to my families and not think about my grief so much because I know that's going to be thought about tomorrow. So it's, it's tremendous. I think, I think it's given me something to focus on besides not everything was negative with my daughter. There's, I have so many good memories, but to, mm-hmm. to just focus on something else besides the bad parts of it, even, even Purpose. in, the podcast, I don't, I usually don't ask people negative things. Um, just more of this, like the story of what happened. And then I try to go on mm-hmm. to everything positive. There, there was, my ex-wife was on, on the first episode and the, I asked her. Uh, yep, I listened. Mm-hmm. What her worst memory was. And I'll probably never ask anybody that again. Only because I knew, I knew what her answer would be. And I, we went through all of it to get pretty much together, so. That is one thing I don't know if I can ask anybody again. It's just. 
Well, and I appreciate that too, because honestly, when I listened to that interview, I thought, oh dear, he's going to ask me that question. I don't think I really want to answer that question. I don't really feel like I want to, you know, I, I think about the, I, I try not to think about that because it is so, so painful and it is part of the story of what happened to Andy. And so I, talk about it but to go to that mm. moment the worst moment it's not where I want to focus on things so I think you tell the story to know where you've come from but then we really need to talk about kind of the hopefulness for the future and and what you do to help yourself and what others do to help you and give support yeah yeah like I don't want anybody leaving podcasts and being down like I'd rather them be uplifted just because they get to talk about their child and mm -hmm. that's the sole purpose <laughs> and then I've had yeah multiple people tell me to listen to the first podcast and they all stopped at minute 15 and that's when we're discussing our worst moments so maybe I shouldn't ask that anymore <laughs> <laughs> no I think i I think that's a good choice. And like I said, I was expecting you to ask that question and I wasn't really looking forward to answering it. And, um, oh, anyway, it's funny because there was one thing on there that, that I don't know if you asked about a favorite memory, but, but I remember finishing thinking, and I didn't tell that one thing that I wanted to tell. And, and that was that about 10 days before, Andy died. We were up at our cottage up north. And it was just the five of us, so not my foster son, but just like our original kind of core family. And we went, they had fireworks for their Harbor Days celebrations, the beginning of August, the first Saturday in August. And they shoot the fireworks off over the lake and over Lake Michigan, actually. But you can go into this part of, of the river and park your boat and watch the fireworks go over the water. And it's amazing and it's super fun. And we we do fireworks on the fourth of July at a two two different lakes, but they're all kind of connected to our cottage. So we can we can we do a lot of traveling. There are five lakes all connected. So anyway, as back background. So we like to do this and go to this fireworks. And a lot of times we have friends, family, friends, family, other people. But that day we only had the five of us. And in August in Michigan, it still gets cold in the evening. So we were up in the bow of the boat. We had blankets on and it was all five of us. And I was touching Everyone, all of my kids were like around me. And I remember thinking to myself, appreciate this moment. Really appreciate this moment. Because I thought, in a year or two, they're not all going to be here. My daughter's going to go off to college. My boys are growing up. We're not all going to fit up in the bow of the boat, cuddling together. So really appreciate it. I felt like I really did. I really appreciated that moment. And I felt like it was such a gift that God gave me a little bit of insight to think about how blessed I was right then. Because, you know, 10 days later, Andy would be dead. And I had that blissful moment to really, really appreciate. So that was a favorite memory that I had that I never shared. <laughs> so now I feel like I need to have you share 
Can you share a favorite oh, memory? Man. I don't know if I have a favorite memory. That's I yeah, and I, and obviously it wasn't like my favorite memory, but it was just the a favorite that I thought, oh man, this would be a cool one. I'm going to tell to you share. my favorite and my worst memory because to me they are both. All right. Okay. So we're at the point where Bella can't move, she can't talk, she can't do, she can't do anything. She's just laying there, right? Like we would take and hold her and everything, mm -hmm. and I'm getting ready to go to work. And I grab her and I'm like, Belle, I wish you'd just tell me I love you one more time. You mouth, mm -hmm. I love you without a voice coming out. And that is my best memory and my worst memory. That's the one day that I went into work mm -hmm. and I made it about five minutes and I turned back around and I left. That's the only day that yeah. I left. But that is, man, I absolutely, I love that memory and I hate it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. But, and I can still picture her doing it too. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, so it was a true blessing. I mean, to get that. I mean, what an answer. It breaks my heart, but it fills my heart like in so many different ways. It's, yeah, that, that, mm -hmm. and I, I may have told like 10 people that story, but, but I mean, that, that yeah. is my favorite story. Yeah, to me, that's better than teaching yeah. her how to kiss somebody or watching her hug somebody. For me, that, that I mean, that is my favorite story. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's awesome. She was the kind of girl who would just hug you when she hugged you. She hugged your neck so tight that it was just, it was, it was, uh, it made you feel whole again. She hugged you. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. it was fantastic. No. When she first went blind, I had this really long goatee, right? And I wouldn't shave it. And everybody's like, why, why don't you shave it? And I'm like, well, so when somebody picks her up, the first thing she does is she touches their chin. And then if that's not there, she mm -hmm. touches the back of their head to see what their hair is like, to see if it's her mom. Because she wants to know. And they were just like, mm -hmm. good answer. <laughs> Yeah, so nobody ever told me to shave that thing off. Yeah. Because <laughs> she knew it was yep. her daddy if she yep. felt that. I mean, she, she figured things out. Yeah. She, she, was a, she was a trooper through all of it. Mm -hmm. So what other things do you feel like you've learned through doing this podcast? Oh, wow. Everybody grieves. Everybody grieves different. People do want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I mean... It's, it's been a blessing in disguise. I mean, it, it sounds like the word, like I'll tell people what my podcast is about and I can see the reaction like, man, that sounds terrible. That's Yes, I know. Well, I, just, <laughs> I don't want to talk to people who understand. I mean, I mean, that's truly it. What's amazing is I'm not a people person. <laughs> I'm, I am not a people person. Like I... Again, I use sarcasm to make fun of everything. And if I know you really well, I'll, I'll probably, I've probably made fun of you once or twice. <laughs> so, so for people to yeah. hear this part of me, uh, somebody at work said it sheds a light on things that I do not show. And I'm like, well, I don't need to tell you. All. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you're looking like I'm crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a blessing. Uh, everything about this podcast is a blessing. Mm -hmm. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing Bella with us today and introducing all of my listeners to your podcast so they can check it out as well. And good luck to you in the future. Thank you very much, Marcy. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.